following message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know Him and make Him known. Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. For He is our God and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. From the first verse to the last verse, the Word of God is about worship. It's about Jesus. It's about God the Father. It's about the Holy Spirit. But it's all about our worship. It is a book of worship, and it is a book that calls us to worship. The verse that Kindle read for us from Psalm 138, I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. Today we celebrate what we call in Palm Sunday. Uh, you may have grown up in a tradition that uh, dealt with this in different ways. For me, it was always Palm Sunday. And it was always about, as a kid in youth group, you had palm branches and all kinds of things. But as I've grown older, it's become more of a bittersweet day, in a sense, because it's a day that Jesus would rise at, we, we call it the triumphal entry, as he comes into Jerusalem. And all of the praise and adoration and worship of the day. But we know what's coming, don't we? This week, as Pastor Jonathan mentioned, we're going to get together on Thursday night and we're going to gather around the Lord's table. And remember that night when he, was, when he was betrayed, when he was arrested, when he had this poignant last supper with his disciples before they would abandon him. Most of them would run. He knew what was coming. Friday we will remember the cross. But we know the rest of the story, don't we? I love the old Tony Campolo sermon. It's Friday, but what? Amen. Sunday's coming. We know the rest of the story. But as they came into Jerusalem, only Jesus knew the story. So this morning, we're going to look at this triumphal entry, and we're going to look at it through the eyes of worship. And I want you to see three, three aspects of what it means to be a true worshiper, and that is what we are called to be. God calls us to be true worshipers. We are called to worship in spirit and in truth. Oh, by the way, you are all worshipers. You know that, don't you? Even if you just wandered in here and you don't know anything about God, you don't know Jesus, you're still a worshiper. Because God created you with a place that only he can fill. And we all worship something or somebody. We may be worshiping careers or jobs or children or spouses 
your favorite athlete, yourself, but we all worship. The call of the Bible is for us to come and be true worshipers, worshiping only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus. So what are the three aspects of true worship that we want to look at? The first we're going to find in verses 20, I'm sorry, Luke 19. I should tell you the book. Or you could guess. Luke 19. If you have that, turn to Luke 19, and we're going to start in verse 28. Verses 28 through 34. And the first thing we're going to see is this. That if we are to be true worshipers, we embrace his sovereignty. We embrace his sovereignty. And after he had said these things, which essentially was everything leading up to this, where he's been telling his disciples what's coming down the road, he went on, he, he was going on ahead, ascending to Jerusalem. And it came about that when he approached Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, in which you will enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Thus shall you speak, The Lord has need of it. And those who were sent went. And found it just as they had, as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said, "Why are you untying the colt?" And they said, "The Lord has need of it." Everything about this scene is under the control and the hand of a mighty God. Everything is orchestrated. Everything is planned. There is nothing taken to chance. First thing is the timing. The timing is is under God's control. Now, Jesus is going into Jerusalem, and and we know what's going to happen, right? He knows what he's going there for. What is going to happen? He's going to die. He knows that. It's not the first time somebody's tried to kill him. It's not the first time. If you look back in Luke chapter 4, he goes into the synagogue and he preaches and he makes them furious. The, the religious leaders are just so angry with this guy. He's gaining a, a voice, and, and he's gaining popularity, and people are starting to follow him. And the religious leaders, they just can't stand it, and so they want to kill him. So what do they do? If you look, if you, don't turn to it, but chapter 4 ends this way, 20, in verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard his preaching, They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Now, I don't know 
I've never tried to throw anybody off a cliff, and I've never had anybody try to throw me off a cliff yet. I think you're trying to inflict some damage, don't you? They wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to throw him over the cliff. They were that angry. <laughs> I find humor in this. It says he turned and he walked through him and went on his way. Really? Now, I want you to imagine that you've gone into the worst part of the worst city in the United States. And a mob of about 100 gang members have gathered around you, uh, and you're standing on the edge of a bridge, and they've gathered around you, and they want to get rid of you. And they keep pressing and pressing and pressing forward. Do you think there's a point in time where you can just say, okay, guys, that's great, but i got to go home. But Jesus just turns, and he walks right through them. And, and it's like the Red Sea parting. Why could that happen? You think they didn't want to kill him? You think they gave up trying? No, God's timing was not yet. It wasn't time. It wasn't the place. So what was the time? We know the Passover. He's coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. You understand what the Passover is. The Passover is the commemoration of the time when the children of Israel had been in Egypt for 400 years, and it started well, didn't end well. They were in bondage. They cry out to God, and they say, God, come and save us. And God sends Moses. And Moses comes and gets before the Pharaoh, and God sends ten plagues to try to change Pharaoh's mind and heart. And it's finally the last one. It's the plague of death of the firstborn. And he says, okay, the angel of death is going to sweep through, God says, and, I, and we're going to take the life of the firstborn of every person. The firstborn including Pharaoh. And the Israelites, of course, are like, hey, what about us? And God says, no problem. You take a lamb. You slaughter it. You take the blood and you smear it on the door frames of your house. And when the angel of death sees the blood, he will what? Passover. And so they celebrated every year the Passover. Now, God is about to send the perfect lamb to die for the sin of all of us. Your sin, your sin, my sin. The timing and the place is all under the sovereignty of God, and we have to embrace the sovereignty of God in our life, and that simply means we place our life in his hand. There are specifics that are, are under the sovereignty of God as well. We don't know for sure. The, the, the disciples are just sent on ahead, and it says those who were sent went, and they had this sentence they were supposed to say, the Lord needs this, 
And everything happened just as Jesus said it would. And there are some commentators, some scholars who say, well, Jesus had arranged it all beforehand. And that may be. I have no problem with that. Or it could be just God's Spirit moved to make it happen. You know what? I'm fine with either one. God can do things however he wants to do it. Amen? How many times has God worked things out in your life wasn't quite as you expected it to be? I'm good with either one. Don't worry. God is going to accomplish his purpose through whatever manner he desires. Don't worry about the method and the manner. Just be ready. There's a second aspect of true worship in this um, passage as well. And it's simply this, in verse 35 and 36. We surrender our destiny. We surrender our destiny. And they brought the colt, which could have been a, you know, it was, it was small, it was unbroken. If you've ever seen cowboy movies where they break a horse, it's not necessarily pretty or fun. And, but Jesus says, nobody's ever sat on this. It's small, it's a colt, donkey, whatever. And they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their garments on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he was going, they were spreading their garments in the road. I want you to understand, these were people who had very little, if anything, other than the shirt on their back. Many of them would have nothing but that cloak, and it would be pretty much their prized possession. But they were willing to give the most valuable thing they might have for Jesus to sit on and for the donkey to walk on. Okay, let's get real here. Let's ask the hard question. What are we willing to lay at the feet of Jesus? What are you and I willing to lay at the feet of Jesus? Are we willing, Pastor Jonathan talked, uh, I don't know if it was last week or a couple weeks ago, but he talked about time and talents and treasures. Are we willing to give our time to serve Jesus? Are we willing to give our, our talents? Every one of you in here is gifted in very special ways. I always think of a church as a puzzle with a lot of pieces, and every piece is different. Every piece has value, because what is a puzzle with a missing piece? Frustration, right? <laughs> Time, talents, treasures. Are we willing to give of the things that we have, the money we have? Those that you've heard all that before. Are we willing to lay at the feet of Jesus our pride? Applause, accolades, 
Are we willing to serve Jesus whether we get recognized for it or not? Are we willing to serve him without any hope of necessarily seeing some tangible reward in this life? I have to confess, Judy and I had a really nice thing happen this last week. We got a, a nice little award back in, in, in Walnut. Um, it, was, it was gratifying. It was humbling uh, because you really stop and think we really didn't deserve it. But as I, and, and we got a really cool plaque <laughs> that's in our kitchen. And I look at that plaque and I go, I have to stop and ask, did we do it for that plaque? Do we do what we do for Jesus, for the recognition? You ever open the door for somebody and they walk through and don't even acknowledge it? I've done it. Wait at the door till they come out and trip up. No, don't. <laughs> May have thought it, but wouldn't do it. Be careful, Jesus said, not to practice your righteousness before men to be seen by men. Because if you do, you will receive no reward in heaven. If you want the applause of people, do it for the applause of people. You have no idea how hard those of us who have the wonderful task of standing in front of a church and preaching or wor leading worship or, or leading an organization, whatever it may be, how difficult the battle with pride can be. Are we willing to serve? Are we willing to serve without recognition? Do we worship because we think we might get something out of it? I mentioned to the group downstairs that we watched the last couple nights a, a documentary on Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin invented all kinds of cool stuff. Bifocals. Yay! That's for us old people. Bifocals. Nobody has bifocals. Um, battery, a way to collect electricity. He has set up a, the postal system. He created this cool musical instrument called the harmonica. The harmonica. If you've ever done a little glass where you you know spin your finger around it and it makes. Look up harmonica. It's a harmonica without an H. Never, ever took out a patent on anything that he invented. Never made a dime off of his inventions. He said, I was blessed to be able to do that stuff for mankind. I don't deserve to be rewarded. Are we willing to give to lay at the feet of Jesus everything we have. Oh, there's, there's one other issue here I want to touch real quickly. And that is, there's a character in this story that doesn't get a whole lot of mention. And I'm going to call it a donkey. But how many of you ever think about the donkey in this story? How many of you know his name? 
<laughs> hey, I'm open. <laughs> we don't know his name. We don't know anything about him other than he, the, the disciples come and they untie him. They take him, put Jesus on him. He carries him, and then Jesus gets off, and the donkey goes back to his life. He goes from anonymity to carrying Jesus, and then back to anonymity. We know nothing. We don't celebrate his birth. We don't have parties to remember him. But for one shining moment, that donkey carried the king of creation on his back. You ever think about that? For one shining moment, he served. <laughs> we may only have that one shining moment where God calls us out of sort of anonymity to do something incredible. But we have to be ready. We have to be willing. We have to be open. So we embrace his sovereignty. We surrender our destiny. And finally, we sacrifice unconditionally. We sacrifice Jesus is on the move, and in these last verses, we're told he was now approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of the disciples, and who knows how many this would be, began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Wow. What a scene. Praising Jesus, praising God as they go along. But it says not everybody was happy. The Pharisees were not. And some of the Pharisees in the multitude said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Shut them up. We don't want to hear this. They were jealous, fearful. The Pharisees knew that Jesus was gathering a crowd and, and that there was something special and different about him. And they were already working to get rid of him. So he's saying, keep them, keep them quiet. And then Jesus says something that's remarkable that was um, a part of the song that I sang. I tell you, he said, if they keep quiet, what will happen? Stones will cry out. The stones will cry out. And you say, wait a minute, stones can't cry out. Wait, all creation worships him. All creation worships him. I, I'm not sure what it's like for you sitting there. I feel like I have one of the greatest seats in the house. When we sing, when you guys were singing earlier, and, and when we would stop the instruments and listen to you sing, it's a glorious sound. It really is. It's an amazing sound. I love to hear the voices ring out. Now, I know some of you aren't singers and, and don't really appreciate music that much and, and whatever it may be, but here's a simple fact of the matter. We are commanded in Scripture, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, we are commanded to worship God, corporately, with our voices, to lift up our, our hearts and our eyes and our voices. 
Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the glory of his name. Offer him glory and praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your God, Psalm 66. Psalm 68 says this, and, and, and I, I love to sing this. Sing to God, all creatures of the earth. Sing praises to his name. To him who rides the ancient skies, who thunders with a mighty voice. Sing to God, all kingdoms of the earth. Sing praises to his name. We can, we should, we must lift our hearts and our voices to God in worship and praise. Now, very quickly here, I'm running out of time. What if you come in on a Sunday morning, however many of us are here, and you come in and it's been a bad week and you're mad at God, and you come in and say, you know what? I don't feel like worshiping God today. And you dig in your heels and say, I am not going to worship God today. And so we sit here and you glare at me and I glare at you. <laughs> and all of a sudden we hear this rumble. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And it just grows and grows and grows and grows. And we finally realize it's coming from that parking lot. It's the rocks and the stones crying out to God because we won't worship. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, guys, you Pharisees, that's fine. I'll, I'll quiet them down. But if, if they don't sing, if they don't praise me, those rocks and stones will. The book of Hebrews says it this way in chapter 13, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer, continually offer a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that confess his name the simple fact of the matter is this if our hearts are right if our hearts are surrendered in obedience to God if our hearts are leading us to surrender and submit our time and our talents and our treasures to him if we're willing to lay on the altar of Jesus Christ our pride and, and all of the other self-interest stuff We will be a worshiping people. The more we know him, the more we are surrendered to him, the more we submit to him, the greater will be our love and the more awesome will be our praise. It's a big if, but are we willing Let's bow and pray. God, you, um, you deserve all glory, all honor, all praise. You deserve our absolute faithfulness, allegiance. We come and bow before you in... in Humility and, and in shame that we so often fail. 
And Father, we face the task ahead of us knowing that we are imperfect creatures. We know that no matter what we, no matter how hard we try, we will never gain perfection in this life. Any kind of perfection that can save us, certainly. And yet, as we have read this passage and we realize where it's heading, that Jesus is heading to the cross, the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God who will lay down his life for us. And Father, I pray right now for all of us in this room, and there may be some here who really don't know who you are and really have never considered the possibility that all of their efforts to save themselves are, are for nothing. That there's only one way to be saved. It's confessing the name of Jesus Christ as the only one who can save us. Surrendering our lives. Of saying, yes, I will, Father. I will give you all I am. Even if I don't understand it right now, even if I don't understand where you're, you're leading me, it's okay. We start out, Father, with yes, I will. So God, for each of us in this room, may those three simple words be our marching orders as we live in a dark world the people of your kingdom your family may we go out to show them the love of Jesus Amen Thank you for listening to this week's message if you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.